Welcome to the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. Now let's begin. listener and welcome back to the pop culture pub podcast i'm your host my name is chris lockhart and we have a full house this evening all my co-hosts and crime are here and we have a special guest uh so in no particular order uh first up we have kevin decent how's it going kevin uh it's going well chris i'm looking forward to this one and um i think that this crew we got together is going to lead to a very interesting episode excellent uh next up we have lillian knelson how's it going lillian fantastic because i'm here perfect uh and then uh as far as the co-podcasters or co-hosts go last but not least we have ragnar how's it going ragnar well uh hello everyone and it's going quite well excellent and we have a special guest this evening we have Alexa joining us. How's it going, Alexa? Hey, I'm good. I'm glad to be here, too. Excellent. Alexa had joined Ragnar uh, and I on the and Kevin on the McDonald's episode, and she's back. Uh, and in this episode, we are discussing best movies of the 80s. So that would be uh, the decade of the 1980s, not the age. And... <laughs> and <laughs> So, so uh, this this. Book, I don't think that was necessary. Well, this, this I think book, our listeners are pretty smart. Well, I mean, you know. Thank you for the clarification, though. We, we might have some older listeners, and you know, um, this is a book written by a, a lady named Helen O'Hara, um, and yeah, I found this in the bargain book bin at uh, my local Giant Tiger. Um, and it's a really nice book, well put together, and uh, yeah, I'm just going off their list. So for this episode, we're going to divide this into two parts. So this is part one. So this is uh, the early 80s to uh, the mid-80s, approximately. Um, all right, so the first two movies that we're going to talk about, 
so yeah, we'll just go around the table. I'll I'll, I'll talk about the movie, or I'll, I'll I'll name off the movie, talk about it a little bit, and then we'll go around the table. We'll give our thoughts on the on the movie or movies because some of these are together for obvious reasons. And then uh, yeah, we'll just uh, proceed like that. So the first two movies for the 1980s is The Empire Strikes Back and <gasps> Return of the Jedi. Um, so, you know, Empire came out in 1980. Uh, Return of the Jedi came out three years later in 1983. Um, so I don't think I need to say a lot about the movies. I'm pretty sure we've all seen them. But uh, uh, some facts here. Um, did you know the Lucasfilm Computer Division's graphics group created in 1979 to work on Empire would be spun off and eventually become Pixar Animation? Um, and then also recommended further viewing is Spaceballs, 1987. What better way to understand the full impact of Star Wars than by watching this spoof starring John Candy as Chewbacca-like half-man, half-dog, and John Hurt reprising his big alien scene. I, I don't... Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched Spaceballs, but... Yeah, oh, Empire, Empire... Oh, sorry, Ragnar, go ahead. Well, Spaceballs held up, man. It's as funny as it was back in the I day. I was going to say, it's still as good now as it was then. Yeah. It's I, funny, um, one of my main volunteers for the event that I run dresses up as an asshole every year. And if he's not at the event, it doesn't feel like a proper pop culture festival without him. So Chris has, his, and ironically, his name is Chris too. Nice. Um, so Chris has to be there every year, and he always goes and hangs out with the Five O First Legion. That's so awesome! This is I love that this is the first one we're starting off with because it's just like it feels so canon in my life. Um. So his his character is he the one with the big helmet? Yes, Lord that Helmet. Oh, dark helmet, isn't it? Dark helmet. Dark, dark helmet. helmet. There oh, we are. Okay. I had a moment. Gotcha. And the assholes are the ones that look like they have ping pong balls for helmets. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. and Tim Russ is one of them, right? He played Tuvok mm -hmm. on Voyager, mm -hmm. right? He um, is. He, I think he has a couple lines even. Excellent. <laughs> wait, wait, hold still, stop. That was him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Go this. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember seeing that that Tim. Rex, no, no, no. He uh, was one of the black uh, ones yeah. when they were combing the desert. Well, I thought he. I thought he had that big pinball thing on his head. He did. He had a black yeah. pinball on his head, and they're yeah. combing the desert, and he's got the lines like, "You found anything? We ain't found shit." Yep. Yep. That's it. <laughs> yep. I didn't um, know that was Tim Russ, though. <laughs> um. Yeah, you learn something new every day with the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. Um. Mm. So anyway, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Empire is my third favorite movie of all time. Uh, I just think it's, in my opinion, the best Star Wars movie. It's just the way it's written, uh, the way it's executed. It's absolutely perfect. Um, you know, had one of the best cliffhangers in cinematic history. And, uh, you know, Return of the Jedi, for all its faults... You know, was I was probably my favorite Star Wars movie as a kid. You know, with the Ewoks and the space battle, and even still, with with you know uh, all of that, the em the Emperor scenes are are amazing. Like you know, they did such a good job with them. But uh, yeah, two great movies. 
Kevin, what are your thoughts on these movies? So I was actually making a point to a co-worker um, asking about Star Wars. And these movies are perfect for our group. Mm-hmm. But uh, Star Wars is for kids. Yeah. And by that, what I mean is discovering Empire Jedi and the original one, when you're a kid, they're always going to be great movies. Mm-hmm. Like someone who has never seen and watches it as an adult, yeah, you can nitpick a lot of stuff in there. You know, oh, hey, at the end of uh, Empire, Yoda says there is another, which means the plan was made for there to be another Jedi, which we know ends up being Leia. But if Yoda said there's another in Empire, then why did Luke and Leia kiss at the start of Empire? Because in theory, <laughs> this plan's already here. Yeah. Not that they realize three years later, oh, crap. But anyways, yeah. but it's for kids and us seeing it as kids, it's always going to be perfect and wonderful and magic. And then you have, you know, we saw one, two, and three and hated it. But you got kids that were kids in the 90s that saw it and it's magic and it's wonderful. And now those kids of the 90s are adults. They love one, two, and three. And so I'm seeing like seven, eight, and nine coming up when those kids grow up in 10, 20 years they're going to love those movies still. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come back in a whole other way. The exception is when someone who is still a kid at heart makes a Star Wars thing, it's still magic. Mm-hmm. Mandalorian, Rogue One. But it's the perfect thing as a child of the 80s for just... You know, I keep saying it, but it's just it seems like magic. And when you catch it at the right age, there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've like, since the Dune movie came out, uh, in 2021, I'm reading the original Dune books by Frank Herbert and George Lucas definitely got a lot of influence from the Dune books. And I honestly think like the whole, like if his intention in Empire, having Luke and Leia kiss. Honestly, if if that if he knew that they were going to be sister and brother at that time, I think he did that as a nod to Dune, because in the second Dune book, um, Paul Atreides, because he's still um, under pressure to produce an heir, and at one point he actually considers, you know having a kid with his sister like like not not consider it but he the thought enters his mind um i think it was in that one yeah i think it is um and and even in children of dune with paul's children because he has twins they uh lado thinks you know about you know what would happen if he had married his sister so I think I think that was a nod to Dune. I think. Well, it could have been a nod to Flowers in the Attic too. Yeah, that was around. Yeah, that was like yeah, late seventies. <laughs> and yeah, actually, that... also um, when we did a Star Wars table read uh, a little bit ago, um, they actually kiss multiple times in the script. 
it was really? changed. Like, um, so you've got the kiss where, you know, there's the whole making Han jealous thing kind of, right? Mm-hmm. But there's actually, you know, the scene where they're jumping across the bridge and she gives him a kiss on the cheek for luck? Yep. She doesn't yeah. actually kiss him on the cheek in the script. Really? Oh. Yeah. She full on mouth kisses him. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. Reading the script is pretty trippy. There's a couple things in there where he gets sheepishly, he's lustfully after her kind of thing. So, I mean, if there's, they, they took out a lot of innuendo in there. Mm, yeah. Like when they rescue her from the, the prison cell, mm-hmm. it says in the yeah. descriptive that he, you know, she's attractive and he's obviously like hubba hubba. But mm-hmm. yeah. Oh. So yeah. maybe maybe George didn't intend for them to be siblings, and that just came later when he thought, whoa, that'd be a heck of a twist. Yeah, I kind of wonder if maybe that was it, but yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, like when I was reading the Dune stuff, I was like, well, maybe, you know, I don't know. But anyway, uh, Lillian, your thoughts on, on these two movies? You know, I am a... Like, I love these movies. I, I love them. I am not a huge Star Wars person nowadays in the way that it is. Um, like my husband will watch all of the new series coming out on Disney Plus, and I'll graze them as I sit nearby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, my attitude towards nowadays Star Wars is is much different than my feeling about these movies. So I am a diehard like love these movies, will protect with life. But n- new Star Wars is more meh. It's like the, you know, it's the cousins you don't care about as much. You see them once a year at a family reunion, and you're like, "Hey, we're family. I accept you. I don't see you that often for a reason, you know." Yeah, but for that little window, you know, they got good attributes that you don't mind, and I appreciate them. There's, yeah. I'm really super excited for Ashoka coming out. I love that a character from the cartoon is turning into its own show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, these movies started something these movies birthed something and and these movies have a history that is just as much as i am a like star trek wins kind of person i love these movies yeah and 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 the irony is for so many years george lucas held on to the rights because he didn't want his his baby to be exploited but then as soon as he sold it to Disney, that's exactly what, what went down. Oh. oh, did they ever? And I mean... They are that, getting their money's worth? Yeah, well, they that, are. that's the thing. Like, they paid, you know, $4 billion or whatever for it. It's like, yeah, they want to they wanna get some of that money back. Uh, Ragnar, what, what are your thoughts on, on these two movies? Oh, I, I love them. Uh, I'm totally with you. I like Empire Strikes Back more than Return of the Jedi. I still like Return of the Jedi. Um, I, I particularly love the beginning with Luke and Jabba's palace. Like, that's just fantastic. Um, but, yeah, definitely definitely love both of them. Um, rewatch them all the time. I have old VHS copies. So the VHS copies I have are the remasters but not the special editions. So they're, they look pretty good. I mean, obviously the VHS quality is not the same as, say, DVD or whatever, mm-hmm. but they look pretty good and they don't have any of the nonsense like Han shoots first. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, definitely grew up with those movies, loved them. 
you know, remember watching them for the very first time as a kid and just being absolutely blown away by them. And uh, I like some of the new stuff. Some of it I like a lot. Some of it I don't like a lot. But mm-hmm. I'm still happy that there's new stuff coming out because when you get a good one, it's so great. Yep. And Alexa, your thoughts on uh, Empire and Jedi? So I love all things Star Wars. <laughs> um and I'm one of those few that didn't discover Star Wars until later in life. I wasn't, you know, I'm the I'm the odd duck in my family. I'm the only one that, you know, likes any kind of pop culture stuff, let alone any nerd stuff. And I didn't discover the Star Wars empire, we'll call it, um, until I was in high school. And it, it was amazing then. It, like, super amazed me then. And I was hooked, and I've been hooked ever since. And I honestly don't have a favorite Star Wars movie because I love all of them equally, and I think they all have their place within the saga. Um, now, as far as, you know, Return of the Jedi specifically, I think I, uh, between the two, I think I like Return of the Jedi better than Empire Strikes Back. And I think it was just because, you know, you were getting some answers to those cliffhangers prior to, right? Mm-hmm. But as they're they're all equal to me, right? There's no one that I find is better than the other. They all have their place. They're all part of the story, right? Excellent. Um, so I, I forgot to mention, uh, the original air dates, and these are the U.S. air dates, or release dates, sorry. Empire came out June 20th, 1980, and Jedi came out May 25th, 1983. All right, so the next movie on the list is The Blues Brothers. Oh. Um, one of the most expensive comedies ever made at the time. The Blues Brothers caught its stars John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd at the height of their Saturday Night Live-born television fame, and its director, John Landis, near the height of his powers. Um, did you know the name Blues Brothers was suggested to Aykroyd and Belushi by Howard Shore, then a fixture at the head of SNL's house band? He would go on to become a movie composer and score, among others, The Lord of the Rings. Um, I gotta be honest with you guys. I'm n- I've never been a Blues Brothers guy. I just... Really? Yeah, I just... Oh. It, it never... I find that shocking, actually. Yeah, it it just never, I don't know. I think because maybe I watched it later in life. Like I ne- I didn't watch it as a kid. Like my I don't think my parents liked it, so I never watched it. And then when I saw it later, like basically I saw it when they did like the Blues Brothers two thousand or whatever with well, that that one's nowhere near as good. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember watching that and being like meh, you know. Um, although I love John Goodman. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm not a Blues Brothers guy, so I can't really speak to that. Um, so Alexa, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the Blues Brothers? Uh, I, you know, it's Dan Aykroyd. I love all things Dan Aykroyd, so I love it. Also, I mean, when you got Carrie Fisher in there too, you, it's tough, especially after watching Star Wars. You know, you you love her there. You gotta love her here. It's funny as hell. It, I think it it broke some barriers as far as 
you know, comedy and movie go in movies goes. And I think, um, it, yeah, you're right. The Blues Brothers 2000 wasn't nearly as good. Still good, but not nearly as good as the original Blue, Blues Brothers. So Carrie Fisher was in the Blues Brothers? Yeah. yeah. So that's crazy because the release date of the Blues Brothers is the exact same release date as Empire. And that yep. is June 20th, 1980. So they both came out the same day. Um, I did know... I don't know if I knew that. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I, I did wow. know uh, Carrie Fisher's friendship with uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd um, because I guess like that's when she started partying a lot and stuff. Yeah. And you, and you re- and uh, like not to nitpick Return of the Jedi, but you really notice it in 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 uh, Carrie Fisher's performance. Like her performance in Return of the Jedi is not as good as Empire. And they say it's because she was partying a lot at the time. Mm. So that makes sense. But that and, does make sense. But anywho, uh, Ragnar, your thoughts on the Blues Brothers? Oh man, I freaking love the Blues Brothers. Um, that is one of my all-time favorite movies, specifically the, the first one. Mm-hmm. Second one, I've only seen it once. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. it didn't have the same magic. And I mean, you got to think about too the time when this movie came out. What were what other comedies came out around that era? that had the scope that this one has. Like, it is an epic movie. It has some incredible action sequences. It has some incredible car chases. It has great music. It's riddled with cameos of both movie stars and musicians. And, uh, you know, the only complaint I have is by modern standards, the runtime is too long. Like, it's like a almost three hour movie. Hmm. And when I try to show that to people nowadays, they struggle with how long it is, even though like, it's not boring or anything. It's just, it's very long. Um, but I mean, I, I remember watching it as a kid with my dad, who of course was a big fan of it. And, uh, just howling with laughter. Actually, I don't think I was a kid. I think I was a teenager. I don't think we watched that until I was a bit older, but yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, I rewatched it not that long ago, and it was just as good as I remember. Excellent, uh, Lillian. Your thoughts on the Blues Brothers? I have to be honest. I have never seen it. What? That, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. See, with that. Like I know of the Blues Brothers. I would be a terrible person if I didn't. I, I know some of the catchphrases. I get the memes. Um, but it has never appealed to me. Um, I don't know why. Well, maybe I need to watch it for Christmas. You um, need to watch it. You definitely need to watch it. Yeah. Absolutely. No. Okay. I'll add that to my list of things to watch and I'll try and get it done before our next New Year's resolution podcast. (laughs) And Kevin, your thoughts on the Blues Brothers. I am with Chris. Um, I saw it once because I felt like I should see it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It didn't do anything for me. Huh. 
Um, never went back to watch it again, but part of it could be because, you know, I mean, I was older when I watched it too. And I, I think sometimes you've got to catch these things at like just the right age for it to hit you right. So I saw it. I read, I can respect it for what it is, but I never had a desire to watch it again. I find that so surprising. Well, I I just I always thought the Blues Brothers was like this iconic 80s movie, and I I still think it is. So the fact that you know three out of the five people we have here are you know not the Before biggest fans of it. I'm, I'm oh man, <laughs> well, one was seen it. That's just crazy. Well, like that's the, like that's the thing with uh, doing these podcasts is is learning you know things you may have thought and then realizing well maybe that's not. The not the case because like i know a lot of people like uh praise the godfather to be honest with you i only watched it at the first the first time this year i did like it i thought it was a fantastic film but i'd never watched it before now you know and uh you know everyone says that's a classic but anywho interesting uh, the next uh movie on the list is airplane um, a strong, nice. a strong contender for the funniest movie of all time, as long as your tastes run to the seriously silly. Air, <laughs> Airplane packs 223 gags into 84 minutes. Its original release date was July 2nd, 1980. And did you know, the voices delivering the white zone and red zone loudspeaker announcements in the movie were by the same two people who recorded the real Los Angeles international announcements at the time. Their bickering, <laughs> oh, that's char- cool. their bickering characters are in a relationship. The pair was also married in real life. Wow. That's super cool. Um, Did not know. That's an awesome bonus touch. But yeah, this uh, I believe this is like one of the first movies that Leslie Nielsen done or did as a comedic actor like he was m- more known for his serious roles up until now yeah yeah um and like like i actually watched this after the naked gun so i already knew he was like a comedy legend so um it, it wasn't surprising to me but yeah it's it to me it was always strange that people thought of him as a serious actor i always saw him as like the funniest guy ever um yeah, I, 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 I really like this movie. Um, so, anywho, uh, let's start with Ragnar. What are your thoughts on Airplane? Oh, uh, Lillian just messaged and asked if she could go first. Oh, oh, sorry. you. Sorry, Lillian. no, I didn't want to say anything just because I just got a message and there's some quick Pentagon business I got to deal with. So I'm like, ask me first oh. and then I'll go. Oh, sorry. And then sorry. I'm just going to disappear for a second. Yeah, Lillian, um, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, this movie is awesome. Um, the cast is amazing. Um, and I am pretty sure that there is no more of an iconic line than is. This is the one where it's don't call me Shirley, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, I there's, we've done like podcasts before where we've talked about celebrities and I have said that there's a, like Leslie Nielsen as one that I grew up on, but unfortunately can't share with my children because there's a lot of adult humor mm-hmm. that is inappropriate. But this movie is just just beautiful. It's beautiful. And um, I don't think that my opinion of Airplane will ever change. 
Um, it's just, <laughs> I love it. Excellent. Um, so I, I don't know if my microphone's picking this up, but um, I'm recording at my dad's house. The furnace actually kicked on right now. No, can't hear anything. Whoa. Yeah, it's only 11 degrees outside. Like, it just blows oh, my Whoa. mind. All right. Now yes. that I've said that, and I, I, I look forward to actually listening to the podcast to hear all of your guys' opinions, I'm just going to scoot out for one second, and I'll be right back. Absolutely. Um, Ragnar, your thoughts on Airplane? Airplane is another movie that I absolutely love. Uh, I was in grade seven when I watched it for the first time. Uh, probably around that time I saw Spaceballs for the first time, too. And Airplane absolutely blew my mind. It was so funny. Um, you have so many gags. You know, like one of my favorite ones is when he says he has a drinking problem. And it doesn't mean that he drinks too much alcohol. It means he can't get the, mu- the the lip of the cup to his mouth and he just pours the drinks all over his face. <laughs> and, oh, man, it just killed me. And, of course, yeah, Leslie Nielsen is is very funny in it and and uh, an absolute standout. Um, yeah, it's, it's so good. And the sequel is just as funny. Um, I think the original is better, and it is it is a parody of a movie called Airport mm-hmm. about being you know about the people on the plane and the people in the air um, airport during a you know a crisis flight, but of course they take this to the next level and and uh, yeah it, it's ridiculous it's hilarious and yeah definitely one of the that and Blues Brothers are two of the best comedies of the '80s. No, no questions asked. Excellent, Alexa. Your your thoughts on Airplane? I also thought it was good. Like, think it's it's absolutely hilarious. Again, one of the one of the best movies of its time, especially over comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. Leslie Nielsen, amazing. I love the fact that you know he's he was such a well known Canadian actor. Probably one of the first really well known. Canadian actors um and I do I I love so much that he that he was in this because you know he did he did serve uh a few years with the Royal Canadian Air Force so Mm -hmm. the fact that he did that and then did this you know movie airplane I just the connection between the two I really liked excellent and Kevin your thoughts absolutely love airplane um Saw it first time, way too young to have saw, seen it, probably. <laughs> Still got a lot of jokes. Not all the jokes, but a lot of them. And I watched it again a couple of years ago, and it's just brilliant. And it being the first one, like, so much of... A lot of the same jokes got watered down by, like, hot shots and stuff like that. Um, But Airplane is just so damn funny. Mm-hmm. So quotable. Um, God, now I think this is going to happen a lot because um, now I'm like, oh, geez, I really want to watch it. It's been a while since I've watched this one. Uh, but I will say Airplane 2 is one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> yeah, because that's the one where they go to space, right? At the very end, but half the movie is them on trial for the first movie, so they're showing clips of the first movie in the second movie. <laughs> nice. Um, 
All right, so the next film on the list is Nine to Five. Um, anyone who has ever worked in an office, male or female, can identify with something in Nine to Five. Uh, original release date, December 19th, 1980. Did you know the typewriter sound on the Saw 95 is in fact Dolly Parton clicking her false nails together? Uh, so yeah, this is uh, starring Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Dolly Parton, and yeah, it's about uh, three girls, three ladies, uh, you know, taking charge, I guess. Uh, I remember watching this when I was a kid, but I, I honestly don't remember a lot about it, other than the, it was, the ladies were funny. Dolly Parton did a great song for this movie. And, uh, yeah, that's really all I got to say. I don't, I don't hate this movie or, or love it. I remember watching it, but, um, that's kind of all I got. Uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts on nine to five? I don't think I've ever seen nine to five as an adult. Um, I, it must've been my mom loved it. Like I, I remember being on a lot. Mm hmm. And I really do need to watch it at some point because I'm sure I wasn't understanding stuff. Honest to God, the thing I remember the most is the cartoony um, sequence in it mm. where um, is it when they poison his maybe when they poison his coffee. And I think it's Lily Tomlin with, like, all sorts of birds and rabbits and, you know, cute little forest creatures that are animated in. I I don't even remember that. Yeah. Yeah, see, and that's the, only, that's the main part I remember. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Alexa, your thoughts on 9 to 5? I don't have any because I've never seen it. I actually know nothing about it. All right. Um, you've heard the song though, Dolly Parton song. Oh yes, of yeah, course. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great song. I love that song. And I did also know that she, in in the credits to her song Nine to Five, it does list that nail. It lists nails by Dolly Parton because she plays her nails in the song too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, uh, Ragnar. Your thoughts on Nine to Five? Well, unfortunately, I've never seen it either. Um... I saw I saw a poster, an original poster of it for sale at an auction a few weeks ago, and I thought, oh, I should probably watch that movie. And then instead, I just listened <laughs> to the song on Spotify. Excellent. Um, all right, so Lillian is not back yet, so we'll just she'll set out this one. Um, so the next movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. One of the biggest hits of the 1980s was a pastiche of movie serials from the 1930s via the copycat comics and TV series of the 1950s that its two creators had grown up on. No wonder it has proved timeless. Original air date, June 12, 1981. Did you know there weren't enough snakes in England for the Well of Soul sequence, so Spielberg had to hose cut to the right length and so... Spielberg had hose cut the right length and scattered around the set. Um, yeah, this is uh, up there with uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, 
I think this is number four on my list. Um, <clears throat> or five. I don't know. I, I, I have to go back and reevaluate my list. But yeah, definitely my favorite Indiana Jones movie. Uh, I absolutely love this film. Uh, the the guy that wrote uh, The Empire Strikes Back also wrote this. I think it was Lawrence Kasdan, if I remember correctly. Um, so that could be, you know, one of the reasons why I like these movies so much. Uh, Tom Selleck originally was cast to play Indiana Jones, uh, but he was contractually obligated to star in Magnum P.I., so he couldn't do the movie. And uh, so they cast Harrison Ford. And they didn't originally. They didn't want to cast. What it would have been like without Harrison Ford as Indy? There's actually you can see table reads of Selleck uh, doing uh, some of the lines. Um, I I, like honestly, I don't know if it would have been as big. Like I think Harrison Ford probably wouldn't have. It probably wouldn't have been bad, but it wouldn't have been as big. Yeah, like there's just something about Harrison Ford, and I and I do think that the popularity of Star Wars did help Indiana Jones. Um, to an extent, um, but yeah, there's just something about Harrison in that role. Like that was a role he was born to play. Selleck, I think was born to play Thomas Magnum. Like I think it was, you know, the best all around, uh, because Magnum PI is a great show too. Um, but yeah, just imagine that, that iconic mustache on Indiana Jones. Like that's just, that's crazy. (laughs) picture <laughs> see now i'm picturing harrison ford with this iconic mustache <laughs> yeah it's it's tough like i yeah well i guess he had a beard know. he had a beard in the fugitive so i guess yeah he can grow but not like sell like it's just it's a masterpiece right like it uh, you know <laughs> i don't know but uh yeah this was fantastic movie i love it <clears throat> um all right alexa we'll start with you your thoughts on raiders of the lost ark I love it. I all of the, you know, all of the Indiana Jones movies. I love the action, I love the adventure. I love how it just like draws you in. It's like I I want to go adventuring with him cuz it would be awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would be so awesome. And I mean, I think I think you're right in, you know, it coming Star Wars had a lot to to do with it with, you know, how how big it got. And it was wasn't it was it produced by Lucasfilms as well if I do I remember mm-hmm. that right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think um, that that yeah. helps too, right? Yeah, it like uh, Indiana Jones was the character was created by George Lucas. <laughs> this film was directed by Steven Spielberg, and then you got John Williams who did the the score for Star Wars and Empire, doing the score for these movies as well. Yeah, so you, you know you got great people behind it who'd already created great things. So I mean, yeah. what could go wrong, right? Yeah. And, and what's cool is originally, um, the, the, this was born out of a conversation that, um, so the story goes, George Lucas was really scared about opening weekend of Star Wars in 1977. So him and his friend, Steven, Spiel, for, Steven Spielberg, went on a vacation in Hawaii together because he wanted to avoid the bad press that he thought he was going to get for Star Wars. And then while they were sitting by the pool, the, uh, Spielberg was telling George Lucas that he wants to do uh, a James Bond movie. And George Lucas says, no, 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 I got something better. It's better than James Bond. And he, he originally he was calling him Indiana Smith. 
Um, so he explained, you know, the concept, you know, the basic concept of, of Indiana Smith. And then eventually, yeah, it morphed into Indiana Jones and, um, you know, and the rest is history. And then, of course, Star Wars was a success. So, um, yeah, it just, uh, uh, everything kind of came together. Uh, Kevin, your thoughts on Raiders of the Lost Ark? Love it. Seen it a ton of times. And the reason is because it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, and I went to Catholic school, it was counted as a religiously appropriate movie for us to watch. <laughs> it's cool. funny because the first time I watched it was in school. <laughs> yep. And I also went to Catholic school. <laughs> yep, it'd be like, you know, before Christmas break when the teachers are all checked out anyways and half the class is missing. You know, stuff like times like that, it would, oh, let's, let's watch Raiders. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, you know, um, Temple Doom didn't really fit. Uh, but l- when uh, Last Crusade came out, we would watch that one too. It might be like we're watching one on Monday and one on Tuesday. I'm back. Sorry. What did I miss? Um, <laughs> well, Lillian, I'll, I'll throw it to you now. Um, we're talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark. <gasps> I'm so glad I'm back. So what, what are your thoughts on Raiders of the Lost Ark? Oh, my God. I love Indiana Jones so much. Um, oh, my goodness. Raiders. I, 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 Raiders is one of my favorite things ever. Um, I don't know. If you grew up on this stuff, if you hear the opening part of that theme song, you have to continue humming it. Um so many good lines. Um, I, I love all the Indiana Jones movies. Um, my mom was a really big fan, so we had them all like on recorded VHS. And so it was just a go-to. If we didn't know what to watch, you put in like Raiders or... Um, I just lost the name of the one where they have to find Jesus' cup. But you know what oh, I mean. Uh, last Crusade. There we go. But no, uh, so good. I don't. I, I don't think I could ever say a bad word about Indiana Jones. Excellent, excellent. And Ragnar, your thoughts on Raiders of the Lost Ark? Well, like everybody else here, I love it. Um, I like the Last Crusade better. I think that's the best film in the franchise. But Raiders is fantastic. Uh, it definitely, in my mind, set the bar for what an action adventure movie should be. It it brought you into a world really convincingly, and it was also funny at times. Um, and so this year passed when I was on vacation. Even though I was on vacation with the wrong person, I was in um, Disney World, and we went to the Raiders of the Lost Ark experience, the Indiana Jones experience there. And they, in live action, real time, they recreate three of the famous fight sequences our action sequences from that first film with real stunt people. And it was so awesome. And it took me right back to being a little boy watching Indiana Jones for the very first time. And and then immediately asking my parents for a whip. <laughs> did they give you the whip? No. <laughs> but I did get a pocket knife that year. So that was cool. Um, so yeah, just absolutely love them. Uh, I haven't seen the most recent one, the one before it, the Crystal Skull. I was lukewarm on, but the original three are just incredible. Yeah, 
Excellent. Um, okay, real quick, Lillian, I'll, I'll go back to you for the yep. movie you missed. Nine to five. What are your thoughts? Never seen it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I know it's a classic. Love the song so much. Dolly is amazing. I just have never had a reason to sit down and watch it because it's kind of movie where either it's on streaming services and you're bored and it's late at night or you have a friend, right? Or someone's like, oh, my God, you have to watch this movie. No one has said that to me ever. All right. All right. <laughs> um, speaking of movies that I've never watched, um, the next one, Chariots of Fire. Um, not every Oscar winner, not even most, passes into popular culture in the way that Chariots of Fire did. I know the theme of Chariots of Fire, and I know people running on the beach. That's about all I know. Um so the original release date was April 9th, 1982. And did you know future movie star and director Kenneth Branagh had a made, had a junior role in the film's production and appears in one scene as a student? Um, yeah, I got nothing. I've, I, I don't think I've ever watched this. And if I do, it's been purged from my memory. We might be able to skip this one. Has anybody else watched this one? Nope. 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 <laughs> All right. I didn't even know it was a movie. Sorry. It's, but it I seems to be, you know, kind of sports related. You said it was like running on a beach. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if you hear the, the, the theme of it, like, uh, go on YouTube after and you'll know the, the theme. theme. You'll, yeah, you'll, re you'll recognize the theme guaranteed. But it, cause you've probably seen it in other movies, like when they do spoofs. Um, all right, so that was an easy one. Uh, the next movie, First Blood. What is the most inter interesting thing about the first Rambo movie is what it is not. Um, original release date, October 22nd, 1982. Did you know Steve McQueen was the first person considered for the role of Rambo back in 1975? But he was so judged. Glad, too, I'm so glad it didn't go that way. Yeah, but he was judged too old to play a relatively recent Vietnam veteran. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this. This is the one with uh, where he's in a a town, right? Like this isn't yeah. actually him yeah. fighting overseas, right? No. Um, this, this is this is the one when it was like actually a, almost a drama, and it was pretty believable. Whereas the sequels, it just becomes like an over-the-top action movie, and by the end, it's almost a parody. This one is like actually pretty dramatic. It's pretty serious. It's pretty heavy. It's really good. Yeah. So yeah, Brian Dennehy. That's who I was thinking of. Rambo, played by Sylvester Stallone, flees a relentless sheriff Teasel, played by Brian Dennehy, in an early chase sequence. And Stallone was reportedly horrified with the initial cut of the movie, which ran close to four hours long. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this. I probably watched it when I was a kid. Um, I know I had the Rambo action figure, but I think that was for, like, Rambo 3, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but that's all I got. Ragnar, your thoughts on First Blood? Uh, it's incredible. It's I I resisted watching the Rambo movies for a long time because I I thought like 
you know, these these are just going to be kind of dumb uh, testosterone-fueled <laughs> action movies. And, and I had a phase and I was super into that, but I'd outgrown that phase by the time I became aware of them. Um, and actually, I, I became aware of the Rambo movies because I'm really into collecting knives and swords. And I saw a replica of one of the Rambo knives. And I was like, hmm, that's a pretty cool-looking knife. And so I went backwards from there. Um, the first movie is absolutely awesome. It, it is more of a drama. It's, it's about, like, a guy who's a Vietnam vet who's just trying to make his way and society won't let him. And eventually he just goes off the deep end and... Um, essentially just goes on a killing rampage and it almost gets to the point where he's like, you're like, this isn't even, he's not even a good guy anymore. Um, he's like, becomes like an anti-hero, I guess. And it was all shot in Hope, BC. And so every time I drive to Vancouver, I go through Hope and it, it you know, you can't help but think of the movie when you're in the surroundings where it was filmed. Um, and I, yeah, if you like military movies and action movies and a little bit of drama this is a really good one. And it, and if you watch them in chronological order, like the second and third ones get pretty ridiculous. And then he's made another one as an older man and it was more serious again. So it's kind of like a you know, there's a bit of a bit of an arc there, I guess. Excellent. Um yeah, I had no idea it was filmed in BC. That's really cool. Mm mm-hmm. mhm. Um, Kevin, your thoughts on First Blood? First Blood's really good. Um, the whole Rambo thing gets very watered down and ridiculous and becomes an animated, car- you know, Saturday morning cartoon, which we seem to have a few R-rated movies that somehow became Saturday morning cartoons along the way. <laughs> um, but the first one's fantastic. Um, I have, like, side rants for it. That's a whole other thing. But uh, the book that came out first is really good too. And it's really just torture and suffering even in his escape until he snaps and comes back on the town. Um. And there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of PTSD, there's a lot of, you know, you train someone to do something and then you take them away from it and expect them to just reset their brain, but, you know, they weren't given any counseling or help or anyone to talk to or anything, just, here you go, you're back in the States, try to remember what it was like here before and what you were like before and best of luck, Mm -hmm. if that even. You know, um, you, uh, how do I go When I was a little kid, I asked my parents, I was like, what was Vietnam? Like, what happened? And the answer I got was, it's too complicated an answer to give you any answer. I'm like, all right, well, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was in college, I actually took, I had to take a history class and I took Vietnam War history class just to try to make sense of it. And yeah, you know, months later I was still like, okay, I have some ideas of what happened, but this is still like so big. And 
the first Blood movie actually helps in a way for the the return of mm-hmm. it. You know, and the way certain people were treated and everything. You know what? Here, I'm going to... Um, if we all... I, for all of us that have watched First Blood as we go through the thing here, um, it's Rambo. It's, it's Sylvester Stallone. Like, he's got his long hair, he's got his jeans and all, but he doesn't... There's no need to run him out of the town. But... I think a reboot of First Blood where Rambo's black could really work. Hmm. Like, yeah, kind of. Kind Actually, of a, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In today's world, a, a reboot where Rambo's black would totally work. Yeah, like a sundown town. <clears throat> hey, hey, we don't mind that you're passing through, but you can't stay. You yeah. best be passed through here. And I could absolutely see that working and everything else being the same. And then the snap and the retaliation hits harder and I think makes more sense too. Like I, I fought for my country. I did everything I was supposed to do and I came, I've come back and I'm treated as a second class citizen. I'm treated with such horrible disrespect. What did I do wrong? Nothing. Uh-huh. I think you got a good idea there, Kev. <laughs> Interesting. Um, all right. Uh, Lillian, your thoughts on First Blood? So I know that Rambo was filmed in Hope because they did a statue thing recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never watched it. Um, it was, I was not allowed as a child cause it was too gory. And all I could think of was watching hot shot part two, I think it was <laughs> yeah. where they're like doing the kill count and they're like more gory than Rambo or something, um, or more bloody. I can't remember, but I, it's been on my list of things I need to watch. Unfortunately, it has yet to occur. Um, uh, just like I only recently in the past like five years watched Predator and was like, this is why have I waited so long? Um, but I, I haven't seen it. Excellent. Um, I remember kind of watching it as a kid with my parents, but I was 19. I No. 21, I think, at the time. And I was kind of seeing a girl. And any, anyway, she had a party, um, and I ended up crashing at her place, but I, I, I slept on the couch like a gentleman, of course. And <laughs> uh, I remember waking up on the Sunday morning, and her dad was watching First Blood. So I sat there and watched First Blood with him until uh, my sister came to pick me up because... Um, I had been dropped off at this party and it was way too far for me to walk home. Um, so I watched most of the movie with this uh, girl I was seeing's father. Um, so it's kind of a nice memory other than, you know, being a little awkward. Um, Alexa, your thoughts on First Blood? I also have not seen it. <laughs> I right. haven't seen any of the Rambo movies, so I, I can't comment on that one. Not a problem. Not a problem. Um, all right, so the next movie I'm sure we've all seen. This is a big one. 
E.T. the Extraterrestrial. There is a fundam fundamental optimism in Steven Spielberg's outlook that informs all his movie making. The idea that decent people trying to do the right thing can generally triumph against the odds. Original release date was June 11th, 1982. And did you know Harrison Ford played Elliot's school principal in a scene cut from the from E.T.? He was dating screenwriter Melissa Matheson at the time. Um, so yeah, this is Drew Barrymore's big break into Hollywood, and um, it's crazy. Like, this movie came out in June 11th, 1982, so I was literally two and a half when this movie came out. And I remember going to the drive-in with my parents to see it. I remember my mom waking me up because it was a, you know, later movie because drive, driving movies, you know, started later because it had to be somewhat dark. Um, and I remember going in my dad's truck because he had like a, a bench seat Dodge Ram, like the old 80s versions. Um, <clears throat> and I just remember standing on the bench seat watching this movie. And my mom told me uh, a few years ago that this uh, this was like the first science fiction movie that she that they took us or took me to, and she said I just I just stood there and watched the whole movie like I never sat down, never complained, and she said this was the movie that she thinks turned me into the science fiction fan that I am. Uh, so yeah. Um, and ironically, it's not one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, um, like, I remember when the VHS came out, it was like a big deal. And I remember my sister watching it a lot. And I remember getting quite bored with it. Uh, but it has its moments. Uh, you know, like, I love E.T. Drew Barrymore was fantastic. You know, riding the bikes, that whole thing. You know, E.T. getting away. Um, it's a good movie, but... It's not on my, probably not even on my top 20, to be honest with you. Um, but it has a special place in my heart, nonetheless. Uh, Alexa, your thoughts on E.T.? So, the first time I saw it, I was very young. I mean, it came out in 82. I was born in 88, so it predated me, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember seeing it at a Christmas with family when I was young. We'd have you know, big Christmas where all of us would get together and like there's 50, probably 50 of us at that time, you know, grandkids amongst the, the, the six of my grandparents, you know, my grandfather's siblings, we'd all, we all used to have Christmas together and all the kids would always get kicked into the basement. And, you know, there was only a few things movie wise that they had. And it was usually someone else's family that, that brought the movies with them. And E.T. was one of them. Now, I, I like you, had to have been under, I want to say under four when I first saw it. But I was, uh, again, I was in awe. I was just like, whoa, what is this movie? And I was, you know, just gobsmacked by it. We Like many of us kids, we skipped Christmas Eve supper to finish watching this movie. And then, you know, all of us ate cold supper down in the basement afterwards. Yeah. But... And still to this day, you know, every time I watch it, I still love it. I'm not as in awe, but it's still, you know, a fantastic movie. 
Yeah, I, that that I agree with that sentiment. Like I'm not in awe of it, but you know, it does. I do enjoy it, like when it does show up. Yeah. Um, excellent, Kevin. Your thoughts on ET, the extraterrestrial? Oh, it's funny you mentioned watching it that way. Um, I do remember ET being like the big VHS release of the year mm-hmm. and heavily marketed as a Christmas present, and it it was like one of the last big movies to be on VHS. Yep. Like they purposely waited to have their own time for it or whatever. Um, I'm pretty sure my brother and I got it. Cause um, we like, once we had a VCR, we would always get a V you know, VHS movie or two for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pre- I feel like we must have gotten it that year. I'd never seen it or anything before, but the, the advertising blitz was absurd for mm-hmm. it. Um, the thing I still remember to this day, the advertising was so prevalent. My grandfather was complaining all Christmas to anyone that would listen. Oh, here's this E.T. thing again. I hate it. What a terrible looking thing. What a dumb looking movie. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Who would watch it? Like, just hated it completing over and over again well it turned out he got a copy for christmas um so the person that gave him the copy of et is sitting there in the room for like hours listening to him complain about how terrible the movie looks that's so awesome not, <laughs> not realizing it's sitting there so i think i don't know if we all felt better what i remember i feel like it was christmas night it may have been um the way my family does Christmas, if people are still in town, like we would all do Christmas at my grandparents, but then we might go over again, like, you know, the next day or the next Sunday and, you know, there'd be leftovers. Someone would be like just getting into town then. So we'd do all their presents. It was sometime within, I'll say Christmas week that we all sat down to watch ET. And that's probably the only time I watched ET. It just did not do it for me. And I wish it did. I I understand people's love for it. It just did not click with me at all. And I wish it did. I was so excited for it. And maybe that's why. Maybe it was built up so much that it couldn't have hit that high of a mark. Like, it was built up so much, it would have had to be, like, my all-time greatest favorite movie ever to hit the that hype. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, who do we have up next? Uh, Lillian, your thoughts on E.T., the extraterrestrial. So uh, I watched this long, like it's deep, deep in my memories somewhere. I remember seeing, I'm pretty sure I've watched the entire thing. Um, I mean, you see clips of it on the Internet all the time. But I am I am 85% sure I have seen the entire thing. Um and I do not remember if I enjoyed it or not. I remember thinking this is weird um, and being very annoyed at the way the alien looked and uh, dis- disturbed by his bulbous head. Uh, but <laughs> I just it's just not not how I would have done the alien. Um, but it is a classic. And I mean if you walk up to someone and extend your finger and say ET phone home, like 
if they, they, they normally will do the same thing. Like it's just, an, it's a known greeting. Um, so I think, you know, this movie has its place in history. I don't think it's one that I would ever watch on my own again. Like, I don't know. It's it's really sad because I think we have so many good movies, but I don't think they're really rewatchable unless you're with friends. If you're with friends and watching them together, but it kind of just lives on a shelf, eh? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts? Um. So when I watched E.T. as a kid, it scared the shit out of me. Um, I, I was terrified aliens and, and the govern the scary government and like, it was terrifying to me. I, I, it's not that I didn't like it, but it, it scared the piss out of me. And then, uh, I haven't rewatched it as a teenager or an adult. So I probably should do that because I'm sure it's a great movie and I'm sure I would really like it. Um, but as a kid, I, I was scared of it. I thought it was terrifying. I could definitely see that. Yeah. As a kid, for sure. Um, all right. So the next film on our list is Tron computers. Aren't they brand new, exciting and full of limitless possibility? Aren't they also terrifying and poised to take over the world if we don't watch out? Uh, the original release date is July 9th, 1982. Did you know the tie-in arcade games for Tron actually outgrossed the movie, making $45 million while the film made only $33 million? Um, so I remember watching this as a kid. I remember being blown away by the special effects. Uh, I have not watched this as a, later in life um, just because I know the special effects would look not so good by today's standards. Uh, I did watch Tron Legacy when that came out. I want to say 2012 or 2013. Um, I did enjoy that movie, uh, but I don't think it did very well because they never did any more movies that they were going to do. Um, the biggest take I can take from this movie is it stars Bruce Boxleitner, who went on to play Captain Sheridan on Babylon 5 one of my favorite TV shows of all time, and also Peter Jurisic, uh, who also plays a character on Babylon 5. He plays Londo. They're both in this movie, uh, early, you know, earlier in their careers. Um, other than that, I got nothing. Um, I just As a kid, I remember thinking, being blown away by it, but just looking at the pictures... Now it's like, eh, no thanks. I, I don't, it's not one I want to revisit. Um, all right, Ragnar, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on Tron? So the original Tron, I, I have actually only seen it when I was a kid, but I loved it. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like the Sunday night Disney movie or something. That's how we saw it. Oh, pro probably. Um, yeah. And, and I remember really, really liking it. Um, I probably should rewatch that too because I feel like that would probably bring back some childhood, uh, you know, joy and memories. I never saw the new one, but a guy I used to work with when I, you know, had a real job used to play the soundtrack to it all the time, and I quite enjoyed the soundtrack, but uh, never actually watched the film. So, 
Yeah. So maybe maybe that's on my to do list is to watch both Tron movies. Um, I remember Tron Legacy. Olivia Wilde's in it, and she's absolutely stunning. I just remember, you know, she was so beautiful in that movie. Um, Alexa, your thoughts on Tron? I've never seen it. I've played the video games, like the old stand-up arcade video game, mm-hmm. um, but I've never seen the movie. And my boss at work gives me crap all the time. He's like, you you love all this sci-fi stuff, but you've, you've never seen Tron? I'm like, nope, sorry. And he, you know, quotes stuff from, from it all the time, and he'll look over at me with those eyes, like, waiting for me to say something back and be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and I, you know, it is it is one that's on my list of things to watch. I just got to, you know, have the time to do so. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should rewatch. If it's if your boss is quoting it, you know, maybe it is worth checking out. Well, I mean, my boss is a different kind of character, <laughs> but take take with that what you want. <laughs> All right. It would have to be to hire you. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> uh, Not wrong. <laughs> uh, Kevin, what, what are your thoughts on Tron? I I can't remember if it was like if Disney Channel had it on for a bunch or if it was Wonderful World of Disney or tape or whatever. But like I've seen the the games, the you know whatever it's officially called in the movie. Tons of times, because those are just cool scenes, you know, the light cycles and all. I've seen those scenes so many times. I don't know, but I couldn't tell you, like, the full plot of the movie. Like, I I think it was just one of those ones that it was on, and I would bounce into the room when something cool was happening, and then bounce out right after. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love certain scenes for it, and thought it was very cool. But apparently not enough to actually get the all the plot and really sit down with it yeah um the funny thing mentioned the game i i completely forgot there was a department store um up the road from where we lived and for a while it was actual good department store where you can go and get like your school supplies and everything else and Mm -hmm. then it went downhill and the whole chain's gone now but anyways they had that Tron video game stand-up arcade one in the exit. And it was one of those ones of like, okay, you know, mom's cashing out. Here's a quarter each. Just go play and stop bothering me while I'm cashing out. Or sometimes it's like there are presents in here. So go somewhere else until they, you know, this isn't a bag and you can't see it. Um, And that might be the second quickest that I died in any video game. And I think for most people it is, too. If you knew what you were doing, maybe you could last a while. But if you didn't, that is a very complicated game. It's a hard game. <laughs> it is hard. Like, like Actually, maybe I'd put it third. Um, E.T. on Atari, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. And um, Dragon's Lair. The Don Bluth animated one where it's kind of like a choose your own adventure thing, but if you choose the wrong path, he just turns into a skeleton and like melts and dies right away. Yeah. Yeah, But I'll say Tron is third most difficult game I've ever touched. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Lillian, your thoughts on Tron? 
So I have never actually seen the original Tron aside from clips here and there, but I love the 2010 movie, which then made me interested in the original movie in a weird way. Um, so I've seen clips of it. Like I've read about it and I've, I've gone into the lore of it and stuff, but I've never actually seen it. I, I feel as if I've done like the groundwork to understanding it without physically watching it, which is in a way cheating. So that movie came out in 2010. Tron Legacy? Yeah. I was yeah. wondering too. Whoa. Oh my God. I would have guessed it five <laughs> years ago. I, it feels like five years because I watch Tron Legacy all the time. Um, it's like one of our happy, we're bored movies, put it on kind of thing. I mean, except yeah. for the CGI on Bridges is so bad. <laughs> it's just so bad. Um, but, 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 but they but they can get away with it because it's you're in a video game world, exactly. right? So, it's acceptable, but it's yeah. still... I. I think he is one of the most beautiful men and it drives me nuts. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a classic someday. I may actually watch the original thing, but from what I know of it, I, I love it. So who, who is the most beautiful man that you refer to? Any of the Jeff Bridges, Bo Bridges, any bridges, bridges are beautiful. Oh, the bridges. Yeah. The bridges are beautiful. They're, they're beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So this was not Bo. Jeff that was Bridges. Jeff. Yeah. That was Jeff Bridges, yeah. Yeah. So all the bridges are beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're fantastic actors, all of them, so. Um all right. So the I honestly, just a quick side note here. I don't think we're gonna get twenty five in this episode. I think <laughs> I think this is gonna be like a, a four or five part a four part series. This is yeah. gonna take a bit. This is this is gonna take a bit. But I'm I'm cool with that. That's all um, right. So the next movie I have on on the list is Blade Runner. Uh, no science fiction movie made since Blade Runner has been free of its influence. Uh, original release date, June 25th, 1982. Did you know the movie was based on Philip K. Dick's story, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? But the word android wasn't used because it sounded too comical on screen. Replicate replicate replication oh replication is a term used in cloning and sounded equally futuristic but less goofy um so yeah uh there's a picture of rachel played by sean young is a replicant who doesn't know she's a replicant in the philip k dick novel and on which the film is based it's made explicit that she is physically and emotionally modeled as an exact copy of Tyrell's, that's Joe Turkle's dead niece. I, I don't know who, who that is, but um, I know Harrison Ford's in this movie. Uh, Edward James almost. Um, you know, Harrison Ford plays Deckard. Um, and I think he hunts down replicants, like robots. Um, I've seen this movie a couple times, but the problem is, I think, because they've done so many versions of it like there's director's cuts and ultimate editions and this edition and that edition and i don't know which one to watch and and i don't know i just the uh the director's cut is the best one okay like i i just i've never yeah, been... or or just watch the original theatrical one because they're not really that different okay it's just I've, I've never been a big fan of blade runner to be honest with you oh, okay um 
And I, I, I've watched snippets of the new one that they did with Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. And that looks, great. yeah, that looks interesting, but I, but I haven't actually sat down to watch the whole thing. Um, but this is one of those franchises I think I got to revisit um, just because of its, you know, influence on other pop culture, you know, and science fiction movies. Um, all right, Kevin, what are your thoughts on Blade Runner? Oh, man, a lot of secrets are going to come out in this film series that we're doing here. Um, I have not sat down to watch Blade Runner yet. I know it's a big omission. I know I should have by now. It just hasn't happened. It's, it's one of those ones I, I intend to do. It's just the day has not come yet. D- yeah, don't feel bad about it. Like, um, I might have watched it when I was a kid. I don't remember. But I was in my, like, 20s when I started watching it for the first time. And someone said, like, you have to watch this. This is, like, the godfather of science fiction movies. And I had also never seen The Godfather at the time, so I didn't really understand that reference. But uh, other than I knew the movie was about the mafia. Godfather, not Blade Runner. But, (laughs) um, yeah, I just... Yeah, it's I, I, I gotta go back and and try it again. But I mean like I love Edward James almost. He's one of my favorite actors, so this is you know his pre Miami Vice days, so uh pre you know Battlestar Galactica, so you know, I gotta go back and watch that. Uh Lillian, your your thoughts on Blade Runner. I have to agree that this uh, is definitely calling us out on our nerdity. I have never watched it. Ironically, however, I was reading an article and it pulled up Blade Runner a week ago and I ended up, I put it on a list of things I need to watch because I can't remember what the article was about now, but I remember it made an impression when it was talking about Blade Runner and the fact that it was such a big part of this movement. Mm -hmm. And I went, well, I obviously need to watch this i remember the reboot causing ripples and i remember people being really angry and yet also some people were really excited but i remember it was a split like a red sea kind of thing Mm -hmm. um but it ironically is on a list that i'm like i need to watch this when i have time yeah me me too like yeah i gotta i gotta sit down and, and watch these films um Ragnar, your thoughts on Blade Runner? Oh, it's fucking awesome. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, a film noir science fiction movie. And it's dripping with style. It's very dystopian. And it it plays on elements that we're still hung up on as a society. You know, um, with artificial intelligence and when is it considered human and is it dangerous and and all on and on and on. Um, Daryl Hannah is so unbelievably sexy in it, even though she's a robot or an android. Um, And you'll barely recognize Edward James almost because he was very young and he was very... He had a very small build, and you you can barely tell it's him. He's great, of course he's great, but it it's not recognizable as him 
unless you really are paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, there's various versions of this film. This film was in development for a long time. There was a lot of disagreements between Ridley Scott, who wrote and directed it, and other people that had been involved in writing it and then in, with the studios. So really went back in more than once and changed it and edited things and added things. In my opinion, having seen either all or almost all of the different versions, the director's cut is the best, but there's nothing wrong with the original theatrical cut. And the difference between them is not devastatingly big. It's very, it's more just, there's more things added really. Mm-hmm. Um, so feel comfortable to just watch either one, whichever is in front of you. Okay. And then the sequel, the sequel that came out, what, like 30 years later or whatever it is, mm-hmm. is excellent too. Um, grapples with the same issues, involves some of the same characters, ends up telling a newer story, amazing special effects. Um, and if you were outside in all of the fire uh, smoke we had from the fires this summer, that's what they made the future look like in the new Blade Runner movie. And uh, it's very depressing to think about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was honestly just thinking the same. As soon as you said, as soon as you said that with all the smoke and how, you know, that's what the new one is. I'm like, Oh, wait, wait a minute. That's happening. <laughs> So, so yeah. Alexa, your thoughts on on Blade Runner? Um, the first time I watched it, I may have had some influences in my system running, and I didn't remember a whole lot of it. However, I have recently rewatched it um, during the pandemic, actually, and it was, you know, amazing. A lot more violent than I remembered it being, you know, at the time, but. You know, the concept is great, and there's still part of me that, you know, plot-wise wishes that, you know, we can maybe have something similar to do our, you know, shitty jobs for us. But I think in time, that'll happen. And, yeah, with the whole AI movement and whatnot, it's it's going to happen. But it, it's going to strike uh, strike and pull some strings on some people in society now of that same idea. You know, when is... When is enough going to be enough and where do we draw that line? Yep. Um, but overall, I think it's a great movie. I haven't seen the director's cut. I've just seen the theatrical one, but it was, uh, it's great. Definitely one that I will watch again. All right. Um, so I think the next movie is going to be our last for the evening, just because I want to end on a high note and to put into perspective, we're only in 1982. Yeah. So we, we, we got several <laughs> oh, episodes wow. to go. Um, so this movie is... Getting back to my favorite movies list, this would be either number four or five. I don't know. I'd have to debate between this one and Indiana Jones, which gets four, fourth place. Um... And that is Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Um, So this movie was released June 4th, 1982. Uh, Did you know The Wrath of Khan features one of the first uses of computer-generated images on the big screen with a then-groundbreaking 3D landscape of the Genesis effect sequence? Um, 
so yeah, uh, just to kind of to uh, talk go by this book a little bit. The stroke of genius here is the focus on character, with a script that left a lot of room for Kirk, Spock, and Bones to just hang out. It's also a movie that emphasizes the cleverness required to survive deep space. The thing about Trek that casual viewers often overlook is the Enterprise's survival usually came down to Captain Kirk outthinking his opponents, not just punching them out. It has a show... It was a show that tackled big sci-fi concepts about life, the universe, and everything in among the green-skinned dancing girls, and in the big ideas field, Wrath of Khan stands tall. The story discusses questions of regret and revenge, of self-sacrifice and aging, and of courage in the face of certain death. Death is, after all, certain for everyone. But it does go with great gusto and a lust for life, taking in Paradise Lost and Moby Dick, and glorious 1980s mullets. There are moments of horror and mystery in what, in what is with 1990s The Hunt of Rat October and 2003's uh, Master and Commander with the Far Side of the World, one of cinema's most thrilling depictions of naval warfare. The nebula battle in the movie's last act is straight out of Hornblower, and the crippled ship's relative slowness only raises the tension as Kirk and Khan stalk one another through space. Montalban's monomaniacal focus on Kirk's destruction takes the drama up another gear with, without quite falling into caricature. It's always clear that Khan sees himself as the wronged hero out for justice. Director Nicholas Meyer, who also directed the second best Trek movie, 1991's The Undiscovered Country, instinctively understood that the shining goodness of the Enterprise crew was best tested by a full-blown Shakespearean villain. Someone with flair for drama and meaty motives as big as the Federation's ideals. James Horner matched him with the theme-driven score that used only tiny moments of the Alexander Courage's original music, relying instead on of on endlessly blending many themes and its leading man, for its leading man and the Enterprise itself. His score is one of the decade's best. Um, then there's the movie Super. Late of emotional climax, the death of Spock. It may have been born from Nimoy's reluctance to return without some dramatic send-off, but it became the film's greatest moment. From Spock's too calm departure from the bridge to the somber note of Bones' voice as he asks Kirk to come down, there's not a false note in the setup. Kirk races to the, ra to the radiation-flooded compartment where Spock, swaying, faces his end, and the two get to share just a few words most hearkening back to the earlier conversations in the film before Spock succumbs to his injuries. It is only then that Kirk seems to realize that their mutual devotion was the relationship that compensates him for all the regrets he struggled with earlier in the film. He did have a family, although perhaps not the one he envisioned. And it's that relationship that is the difference between Kirk and Khan. Kirk has an equal terrain in his worst instincts and point out his better, Self, Spock is the guiding star. The franchise may have given into temptation to bring Spock back. In 1984's Search for Spock, but the emotional whammy of this movie has never faded. Um, so yeah, that's from from the book, the best 80s movies. And yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I think it's William Shatner at his absolute best. Um, you really feel for Kirk, you know, as he's watching his friend die, 
And then when he gives his eulogy before, you know, they shoot him out to the Genesis planet. And he, and he almost breaks down. Like, it's just amazing acting by Shatner. Amazing acting by Montalban. Um, yeah, it was just all around a great film. Kirstie Alley's first big movie. Um, as, as Savick. And, um. Yeah, for this movie, you should watch the director's cut or the extended edition because um, it does add some context. Like when you realize that uh, the engineer that Scotty that dies and Scotty's upset about it, the reason why he's so upset about it is because that's actually his nephew that dies. Um, yeah, it's it's just a, a great film. Uh, the without a doubt, the best Star Trek film ever made in my opinion um so i'm going to throw it to uh my co-host of trek 1701 ragnar what are your thoughts on the wrath of khan well okay first off compared to some of the other movies we've talked about tonight you know if you're not a star trek fan you probably didn't even see this movie or you may not appreciate it like to compare it to, say, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a bit of a stretch. But as far as the original series go, this is the best. You know, the original television series and the original television series movies, in my opinion, this is this is their best moment. Um, I rewatched this movie maybe a year or two ago. And I thought it absolutely held up. I thought it was still a great movie. It, it had, it, it was, I would describe it as mostly a drama, but it had some really good action sequences. It did have some kind of scary, threatening moments, and most of the main cast got to really shine. Um, and and you got to see, okay, this is why William Shatner's famous. Like it's not just he's not just this character that we parody this is actually he actually is a good actor um so yeah i i love it i think it's a great movie i think it deserves a place in 80s history but to my way of thinking it's a little hard to compare it to some of the blockbusters we've been talking about i i think this film did well i don't think it was a blockbuster though I think people who watch Star Trek and like science fiction went to it, but I suspect the general public didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I I would say, like, if there's any Star Trek movie that the general public would have paid attention, I think it was this one. I yeah. think if you were to ask anyone on, you know, about a Star Trek movie, they would tend to say Khan or the one with the whales. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kevin, what are your thoughts on on the Wrath of Khan? Uh, the best one by far, for sure. Um, I always kind of saw it as like an introduction to Trek. Like, I think if you haven't watched the series, you could just watch Star Trek Two. Because, mm -hmm. like, when I watched it. I hadn't watched anything else. It was just like, I was probably, you know, into Star Wars and just, oh, this looks like a cool sci-fi movie. And I got the information that I needed, you know, on, on the past relationship. Mm -hmm. And then I just watched the movie for the movie. 
Um, but it's great. It's it's Shakespeare in space. Yep. You know, it's just a phenomenal movie, and it's so weird. Second one of a second movie of a franchise, which is based on a TV show, and I absolutely think it works as a standalone movie, and anyone can enjoy it. It's just one of the great sci-fi movies of the eighties. And a few things to to throw out there about the movie. Um, so Khan is based on a character that appeared in an episode of the original series. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool that they actually brought back someone for, you know, uh, an antagonist from the original series to the movies. That was really cool at the time. Um, and the fact that Khan is so like, he, uh, you know, identifies with Moby Dick. Like you see the the book in in his cargo hold that he's living on in this on the on the planet. So so in this scenario, Kirk's the whale that he's hunting. That's kind of an interesting concept, because um, I you know just you know and 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 Khan like what the, the greatest villains I find are the ones that don't see themselves as being bad. Like Khan thinks mm-hmm. he's the, he's the good guy here. And Kirk did, you know, did, did this really terrible thing to his people. Um, and he's so, you know, and he's been, you know, stewing and, and, you know, thinking about revenge on this planet, never thinking that it could actually happen. And then when this opportunity presents itself, that's all he can focus on. Like he does like, he, like his his um, lieutenant there tells him like we got a ship we can go anywhere like why why do we have to go look for this guy and and he's like I can't remember the exact quote but he's like I have to like there's no we don't have a choice and he does some pretty terrible things and and the the funny thing is is Khan remembers Chekhov. Um, when they meet, but Chekhov actually wasn't in that episode uh, because that episode was uh, in the first season of Star Trek. Walter Koenig, who played Chekhov, didn't actually get cast on Star Trek till season two. So he wasn't actually in that show. Um, but the but fans have, have deduced that, well, Chekhov was actually there, but he wasn't a bridge officer yet. He was just somewhere else on the ship. And because Khan is a genetically engineered person and he can remember absolutely everything. Like he studied all the, the crew manifests and stuff. So he knew everyone that was on the ship knew their pictures. So he would remember Chekhov that way. So it's a little, you know, fan theory that, uh, Hmm. you know, Star Trek fans kind of accept. Um, The funny thing is Walter Koenig knew it. Like he, he, when they were filming the scenes, he, he was quoted as saying like, obviously Montalban didn't remember the episode because back then, like he just did guest appearances on TV shows. So he didn't really remember that particular episode he made. So he had no idea that Chekhov wasn't on it. And Walter Koenig's like, I'm not saying nothing because I want to be, <laughs> I want to be in the big part of this movie. And if I say something, they'll just switch me with somebody else. So I'm not saying nothing. Um, 
So I, I always thought that was fun and ironic. And um, little piece of trivia is like Khan, like he wears that that ripped up shirt where his chest is like bulging out, right? Like he's got these huge pecs. Uh, that's actually Montalban. That is not a prosthetic. That's not, you know, uh, makeup. That's actually Montalban's chest. Like he is or was actually jacked during the filming of that movie. Um, a lot of people thought he was wearing like a chest piece or something, but nope, that's actually him. Uh, Lillian, your thoughts on the Wrath of Khan? So just to clarify, um, I, there was a comment about how it did at the box office. Uh, this movie actually broke a world record when it came out at the box office. Um, so it, it, it did very well. Trekkies are awesome. Um, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, just so you know, just because I was like, wait, I swear somewhere I knew this because it was from a previous podcast. Um, I can't think of this movie without getting teary just because of the lines um, you know, from Spock that I have been and always shall be your friend mm-hmm. because it just, I love Leonard D-Boy so much and I love this movie and the relationship. And I think that as much as it may not be my most watched Star Trek movie, because as a kid, I was obsessed with the whales one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one that just pulls so much. It's just, be, it's so well done. It pulls emotion. It, it, it just, the cast was amazing. Uh, you know, dealing with the character of Khan, he's such a complicated, because like you said, he thinks he's right, and he, you can see from his side, like it, it's, it, he's a, he's a villain that you can understand, mm-hmm. and I loved, I love it, and I mean, this movie set the bar in, in a place, and the relationship between Kirk and Spark, I think, was, we already loved them from the TV show. The motion picture was okay, but um. This one kind of solidified that whole BFFs forever. Like the bromance is real. Mm-hmm. Like the fan fiction took off. <laughs> yep. Um, but this movie just makes me cry. It's beautiful. Um, and I and I should, you know, because I should mention because Lily mentioned the motion picture. This is the movie that saved Star Trek because the motion picture, I like it. Star Trek fans like it, but it wasn't considered a hit like it wasn't a success like star wars so you know paramount was reluctant to do a second movie but they did it because they could do it on the cheap because they just reuse sets reuse some special effects and they hired a television director um uh, well a guy that was known for doing television movies nicholas meyer and uh they got a a television producer, Harv Bennett, who did movies or shows like the $6 million man. Uh, I think he did bionic woman. He did some other shows, but he was known for bringing everything under budget. Like he was, he was a very good, uh, business guy to make a movie. So the wrath of Khan, aside from being a hit was a financial success. And that's what, led to Star Trek 3, Star Trek 4, Next Generation. If this movie had bombed, this would have been the end of Star Trek. Without a doubt. At least for for that time. Um, Alexa, what are your thoughts on The Wrath of Khan? I haven't seen it. <laughs> really? No. Nope. Oh, just... no. You do know the exonic scene where Kirk is screaming, God! Right? Nope. Oh my god! 
Really? <laughs> How have you never seen that meme? Uh, nope. Just nope. Her, she named her kid Riker, and she's never watched Star Trek. Oh, that's right. Yep, I was right. waiting for you this to come up again. You're a complex lady. Like, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> I really like you. Well, uh, Alexa, if I could recommend a Star Trek movie, this is the one to re- I would recommend. If you well, yeah, I said watch the whales previously, and and I've started. I want to watch Star Trek in the release order for all of it, <gasps> the, you know, the well, way it was intended, and and that's what I have started doing. I have not gotten very far. <laughs> Let's say like uh, four episodes of a series in, <laughs> mm. and that's it. Well, if you're gonna watch the movies. Like, two, three, and four are considered a trilogy. Like, I know it wasn't intended to be a trilogy, but it kind of is, because each movie takes place right after the last movie. Um, like, Wrath of, like, Search for Spock, I think, takes place two weeks after the events of Wrath of Khan. And then The Voyage Home, which is the fourth movie, takes place three months after the events of three. So it's it's kind of considered a trilogy. Um, okay. So yeah, it's like you get and spoilers, you know, for you know. It's it, it's all good. <laughs> you, you see the. I I don't care about spoilers. <laughs> you see the, the the death of Spock, the ramifications of his death, and then the rebirth of Spock. Because Spock is Bay. Spock Spock is everything Spock in every single form is a beautiful artwork of a man he is I love Spock I have a crush on all the Spocks (laughs) so yeah these movies are are really Easter weekend like Good Friday is the Wrath of Khan Um, Easter Saturday is Search for Spock and then Easter Sunday he he (gasps) rises are you calling Spock Jesus he kind of is Oh my god! You know he he he's space Star Trek Jesus. I I would say. <laughs> Does that just make him space Jesus? Yeah, he, I need a Spock Jesus button. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's one out there. I, I there there has to be. But uh, I can't be the only one that thinks that 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 has. No, nope, there are actually articles on the internet about it. So you are not alone. But I have never put that two and two together. <laughs> I'll, I'll put I'll put an I'll throw another one out at you, RoboCop Jesus. Oh God! But that's he, like a because he dies and rises again. Yeah, but he rises in pieces. But Spock still, is still beautiful. But he still rises though. Yes, but he's not anatomically correct. Spock is anatomically <laughs> correct. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdest <laughs> things to say on a podcast. Yes. <laughs> um. Oh, right, yeah, I, I'm thinking this will be, like, probably a four-parter by the time we get through all these. Because, yeah, the next movie is still in 1982. Um, so, yeah, we'll just uh, take it as we as we can. Um, all right, so uh, before we go, let's play that little game of where we can find you on the Internet. And Alexa, where can we find you? You can find me on twitch.tv forward slash rexarula. Excellent. Twitch? Mm, I twitch. <laughs> cool. Uh, Ragnar, where can we find you, sir? Uh, my main website, ragnarthetrader.com. 
Uh, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as Ragnar the Trader. And uh, I just got back from the Icelandic Festival in Gimli, which was incredible. And not this weekend, but next weekend I go to Vancouver for Anime Revolution. Excellent. You want a hug. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lillian, where can we find you? So it's funny. I actually just ended up, uh, previously the Twitter I was using, um, I realized that I had made a, t- a, a different one aside from my personal Twitter because I was trying to be too complicated, so I deleted it. So if you want to find me, uh, come find Queen Zombine on Twitter. Um, it's just me, uh, just being a nerd, doing ridiculous things uh, with way too much D&D referencing. Um, or if you're in the lovely province of British Columbia, come check out my little pop culture festival in October. Just uh, www.thepenty-con.org. Excellent. Uh, Kevin, where can we find you, sir? You can find me on most social medias. I'm at MaskedLibrary. Uh, MaskedLibrary.com is the home blog, which I had one of my friends say today that I need to clean up and get some other things on it and all. So maybe, maybe I'll try to do an overhaul of that soon. Excellent. Uh, you can check out my blog, randomnerdist.blogspot.com. And I, of course, I'm of course am here at the Pop Culture Pub Podcast Network. Um, all right. So this was our 80s movies uh, part one. And it was a fantastic discussion. And we will be back in the not too distant future with part two. So uh, we'll see you again in the not-too-distant future. I am a real American Fight for the rights of every man I am a real American Fight for what's right Fight for your life